Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we chat with hustler Andrew Patterson, big-time fan of sports gambling, host of the Sports Betting Podcast. Single-game sports betting, it's going to be legal real soon in Canada, so we talk about the big deal that this is and how different it is from the status quo. Also, we're going to look ahead to the round of 16, Euro 2020. It starts this weekend with one soccer's Ryan Brandt. That's coming up on the podcast. Earlier in the week, single-game sports betting got right to the finish line of legalization in Canada. Bill C-213 was passed in the Senate. All it needs now is royal assent, and boom, we're off and running. Here to talk about why this is a huge deal is Andrew Patterson, who you may know as Hustler, host of Winnipeg Sports Talk, as well as the Lock Shop podcast, which is all about betting. Uh, So, Hustler, welcome back to the show. How big a deal is this? Well, you know, hey, Christian, um, you know, it's significant. I mean, it's big for the consumers, but I think it's also probably even bigger for um, certainly people on the gaming industry side of things, but also for the entities um, like the team, Um, you know, whether it's the Jets and the NHL teams, certainly the Canadian Football League. um, I mean, there's huge, huge benefits to this happening for, uh, for them. And I mean, you know how times have changed. I mean, 10, even 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, there was still some sort of, um, you know, resistance to, you know, going down this road, um, unlike, you know, the way it had been happening in, in Europe, or, you know, for a long, long time. And, um, and, and you know, it sort of things changed over the last 10 years. I mean, it was very much overdue. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, as, as someone that likes to bet on games, I think it'll be great. There should be a lot more choice and should be more competition which will make things better for the players. Um, but also as someone that, you know, loves sports and wants to see our teams do well, I think there's huge benefits for the teams and leagues as well to uh, have this being legalized because, I mean, it's already happening and get a little bit of a piece as well to uh, hopefully, um, you know, make things work better from a business standpoint for, um, you know, for the leagues and teams. So for the uninitiated, explain how it works right now if you want to bet on sports in Canada. All right. Well, the fully like up until this is done, technically single game wagering is not allowed. So if you're familiar with going down to uh, you know your corner store and getting a pro line ticket, for instance, um, you can bet on the games, but you're not allowed just to simply bet on one game. You need to combine it in what's called a parlay which is essentially a two or three um, game bet where all of them need to come in to win so it it certainly i mean listen you make more for winning but it makes it much much more difficult to actually cash a winning ticket and you know this is the kind of a funny thing i mean from my perspective i mean the sports betting has always been happening but unfortunately for the consumer we have been forced into making bets and playing them in a structure that fundamentally lessens our odds of winning. And um, so, I mean, that's the way that it has been up until now. Now, there's obviously this big gray area because offshore books have been operating in Canada for a long time. And, and, and here's the thing when it comes down to why this was such a no-brainer and why I think it had the support of all the parties to get it to the Senate and obviously passed. This is happening already. There's nothing that is going to stop that. There has been nothing from the Canadian government that was trying to stop it. It was just an acceptance of the way things were taking place and the fact that they were missing out 
of a lot of revenue, number one, but also for the at the end of the day, for the consumer, the person that wants to put five bucks on a game and watch it, they were being forced to bet in an unfavorable setup that um, that wasn't good for the consumer. And of course, that was pushing people to single to wagering on single games via you know some of the online books that Canadians have access to. But again, it's in that gray area. So it, it, it is a little confusing to people that have, might be wondering, well, what the heck? I know there's been some people that have been playing, uh, you know, placing bets on a Bet365 or a Bodog or something like that. The bottom line is none of that money was staying in Canada. And now with the, with the, the, the deregulization uh, of the single game wagering, we'll have, it, it's going to change from province to province, but at minimum, sports bettors will presumably have better odds and a better options when they go to make their bets. And importantly, from a government standpoint, as well as the entities like teams, the money will be staying in Canada. And part of it will be going back to the sports that are driving um, and giving us something to put a bet on. I made the comparison to legalizing marijuana on the show earlier in the week. I know it's not a completely perfect comparison, but in a way you've got a, a stigma attached. You've got the fact it's happening anyway, people are buying it, people are selling it, and now the government gets in on it in some way. People are still going to do the offshore stuff, for sure, because they're comfortable with it, but with a legal option available, I think a lot of people will steer towards that, and you're going to see, like you said, money staying here in Canada, which I think is finally in 2021, politicians realized, more money here? Yes, please! Uh, you know what? I, I love it. I mean, I think that's a great analogy, Christian, to be honest, for a number of those reasons. I mean, yeah, it's not for everyone. And there's a lot of people that, you know, whether it's illegal or, or legal, um, don't really care because they're not going to get into it. But the bottom line was there was a massive multi-billion dollar market that was being ignored because of the way the, the laws were. And, you know, obviously with what's happened with marijuana, um, you know, or cannabis, you know, people are, are able to buy it a lot easier it's not criminalized and the money that they're spending part of it goes back into tax revenue um you know that our governments need and it's very similar with this i mean the bottom line is where they're not just creating a new market for sports betting it's already there it's been happening for decades it's sort of the realization that they have been missing out on a huge opportunity from a revenue perspective but also, in my opinion, doing the right thing for the consumer um, and giving them the options and, you know, at the end of the day, some competition, which gives them a better deal. I mean, listen, people were still buying weed back in the day from whatever their guy. And when stores started to open, if the cost of the stores was twice as much as they were getting it beforehand, well, no one would be going that. It forces the, store, the stores that are out there now to be competitive with that quote-unquote black market, and in this case for sports betting, it will force the provincial regulatory bodies, however it's doing, to be competitive with that gray market, which people were already participating. So before we get into the next next steps, do you know when this royal ascension is going to happen? Is it really soon? Is it weeks, months? What are we looking at here? Uh, you know what? From my conversation with the head of the Canadian Gaming Association yesterday, it was a matter of days. Okay. Um, I think it might be, you know, it could be Monday, Tuesday of next week. But this is not something that is going to be sitting around for a long, long time. I can tell you that, you know, depending on which province you're in, 
Um, you know, the provinces have been, you know, ready to go ahead with theirs. And I'll focus in on Western Canada uh, because BC, um, you know, has the Western Canada lottery. I, I guess we're all underneath those auspices. Um, here, Manitoba, it's Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries that handles it. And, you know, it will be different from province to province. But the bottom line is that these entities have no have known full well that this was going to come. This has been an expected day. And, you know, to some province, I believe, BC in particular, they're pretty much ready to go as soon as possible. Now, what that means for the consumer, we'll see. I mean, right now, as I mentioned the example before with the Proline ticket, you can go down to a 7-Eleven or a Max or whatever your, your, whatever your convenience store is and, you, you know, fill out your ticket. Not sure whether that will be, well, you will be going down and putting 10 or 20 bucks on, you know, on a bomber game, a single game and doing your ticket that way. Um, because, of course, so much of this has gone to online. And, you know, and that is part of, you know, with the technology, why it made no sense. People are going to be making these wagers online anyways. Probably makes more sense to keep the money inside the province as long as it's fair and people, you know, want to do that. They will do that. And, you know, there'll be major benefits on, the, on all sides to it. Uh, but as far as when we'll see all of that, I think it's going to be different from province to province. I know in Ontario, where um, the gambling has been privatized, there'll be all sorts of, you know, independent books that will be starting up. And, you know, we'll probably see that happen. I, I would think in time for in and around Labor Day, when the National Football League gets starts, we know that the NFL really is the sport when it comes to sports betting. But I'll be honest, the sooner the better, because I think there's huge benefits for the Canadian Football League, maybe more than any of these leagues. And to be honest, as I know you've spoken about before on this show and this station, um, the Canadian Football League probably has the biggest needs when it comes mm. to putting some new revenue streams in. To, first, it'll help them get out of everything they've lost through the pandemic, but also trying to put them on a better financial foot going forward. Well, we've seen the NHL already in the States announce a, like an official gaming, gambling partner, betting partner, and because that's that states have been rolling out, similar to here, their own plans. Each state, is some of them have legalized it, some of them have not. I know in New York, I guess the rollout hasn't gone all that well, and it's a again a state by state, provincial by provincial basis here. When, when we talk about single game sports betting, does that include in game betting as well? So if you're at a bomber game, you're on an app for your betting, you can say, "All right, I'm going to put five bucks right now. They're going to score a touchdown in this quarter." Is that going to be a part of this too? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if it's not, they're missing out on a multi-billion dollar area of the industry. And that's something that the technology really makes it able to. I mean, there are some spots in Vegas, even 10 years ago, where you could go in and get a seat and, and kind of get the introduction to live wagering. But I mean, now, um, you know, we watch the game tonight and at some point one team's going to score and you're going to go back and see the team that's down one nothing have a much, much bigger odd, uh, odds of winning the game. Um, and, you know, people love getting in on that. I mean, I, I think, and I don't have an exact number, Christian, but I can tell you that the amount of money wagered through live wagering as opposed to pregame wagering has as much as tripled or quadrupled over the course of the last five years. Um, and that, again, just goes to the advances in technology, the apps that these companies are working with. And, um, you know, whether it's here in Manitoba, presumably it'll be play now in the lotteries. I don't think there'll be any opening up to it. Um, you know, they're going to need to, you know, have a product that rivals the present online sports books that are available for Canadians and in this case for Manitobans. 
have it ready to go and have it competitive. And I think that if that's the case, you'll have a lot of people that'll be taking it up on it because, as I said, it's the same thing like we're talking about with marijuana or some of these other things. People are going to be making these purchases as it is. Um, I think most people would far rather know that a chunk of it is going back to the teams that they cheer for, the government in their community, as opposed to sending it off to England or Latvia or Costa Rica or wherever the books are happening. It just makes sense, uh, honestly. It's it's one of those the common sense legislations. Uh, it took a long time, longer than it should have, but here we are in 2021. It looks like it's going to happen. So I uh, appreciate your time, Hustler. Thanks for this, and uh, we'll be looking forward to the date when we could just pull it up on our phones and do what we want. I'm going to go check the odds board on Bombers to win the Grey Cup right now, Christian. <laughs> Great talking <laughs> to you, buddy. We have today and tomorrow off from Euro 2020 action, and then we get into the knockout stage. And here to talk about it is one soccer's Ryan Brantz, soccer expert here on CJOB. Ryan, how have you and did, how did you enjoy the group stage of Euro 2020? Oh, it was full of surprises, I think, just as you look at the way things kind of uh, shaped out so far. But at the same time, uh, the favorites remain France and England find a way to advance and their path is looking pretty good at having a chance at getting to the finals of this competition. But, but I've been entertained uh, Christian as we, yeah, as you said, get set for an absolutely wild week uh, of, of soccer here uh, across the world, I guess. There was some consternation, I think after two games for some of the teams like Spain, they were sitting there with two draws to start, but they come through with a five nil win over Slovakia to stake their claim in the next round. How about Group F, the group of death? It really lived up to the hype, didn't it? Yeah, it certainly did. And just the and even the the team that had no chance in that group of death still ends up having to play a huge role in it as Germany just barely able to advance on, on the heels of pulling off a draw against Hungary. And it sets up a more difficult path for, for Germany, obviously. But it, that was a group that it entertained throughout. It, it was filled with goals. Anyone watching, you know, France, Portugal was thoroughly entertained and all the matches in that group really kind of have set the tone and kind of set a standard uh, where you're looking to see from from some of the other teams as we get close to this round of 16. And how about Cristiano Ronaldo scores both goals against France. He's now tied for the most ever international goals by a man with 109. Still got a long way to go to get Christine Sinclair up at 186, I believe the number is. She's she's just incredible. Or is it 189? Either way, she's way up there. But still, Ronaldo, I mean, this guy's still performing at what in soccer is normally an advanced age. Yeah, we've seen a few of these veteran players still able to, to have a hold in this competition, and I think that's the storyline looking ahead to this round of 16. You know, Even though they're only about 30, it feels like Gareth Bale has been on the scene forever playing for, for Wales and getting another opportunity in this competition, and Luka Modric of Croatia, their star player into his mid-30s, is still doing a job, and I'm excited to see if Croatia can continue on a run like they did at the World Cup. Modric plays an absolutely massive part of that so there's been a few of those older the elder statesmen of, of this competition that that are still continuing to to kick it out at a high level and it, it gives us a little bit of extra juice uh, heading into this uh, this knockout stage it is 186 for christine sinclair I just double check there so we uh, we have the bracket here let's start at the top belgium versus portugal i mean that's that's an absolute blockbuster atop the bracket there you got first in the world versus fifth in the world a tough draw for Portugal, for sure, but kind of tough for Belgium, too, because 
you're the top-ranked team in, in the world, and here you are, your round of 16 matchup. Hard to get a harder one than Portugal. Yeah, and an offense like Portugal's too, because that's where Belgium is underwhelmed so far in this competition. They play with a, a back three rather than a back four or, th- or five defenders, and it, it at times has looked shaky in this competition, and that's kind of where you'll see Portugal keying in, that it's the complete opposite, a team loaded with attacking options against a team that has a lot more to prove defensively. Belgium, I think, still has the depth to be able to, to get through in this competition, and they still have you know, some real star players. We haven't seen the best of Hazard, so far in this contest and Kevin De Bruyne another star player plays for Manchester City you know these are the guys that can can do a job so I still like Belgium in this one but if their back line can't you know keep some balls out of the goal then Portugal really does have a chance of running away with one well and the thing is Portugal scoring all their goals from the spot Cristiano Ronaldo just keeps getting penalty kicks so just don't give give him that chance and you'll probably win right yeah, exactly. And that's part of it, right? Because there's a focus on a uh, shaky defending and you don't want them making even more crucial mistakes because, you know, with these professionals, a, a spot kick is a pretty good chance of, of scoring a goal. We have seen some misses. Gareth Bale did sky one into the bleachers I- I- in this Euro. So sometimes they miss, but you never want to risk it. So the winner of that one will face the winner of Italy, Austria. I mean, is there much really to talk about here? Italy's going to win, right? Uh, for sure, unless David Alaba can be cloned for for Austria because they, they go where he goes. But I think Italy has too much quality. We're seeing as we approach this round of 16, they've moved themselves uh, ahead of England and right behind France as the uh, odds-on favorites to win this entire competition. And, and they haven't been scored on in matches dating back to before this competition even started. And Gianluigi uh, Donnarumma, their starting goalkeeper, is showing why he's maybe the best young goalkeeper in the world and will maybe one day take the crown uh, worldwide so they have still a veteran backline too. their captain Giorgio Chiellini I feel like he's been playing international soccer since I was born and he's still out there playing solid when healthy so I, I like Italy there too much quality I, I don't think Austria is going to be able to pull that one off all right so we move on to the next little pairing of games you got France versus Switzerland in Bucharest on Monday I, again France too much for the Swiss here I think so, especially the way, like Paul Pogba, this isn't the Manchester United Paul Pogba we're seeing right now. This is World Cup Paul Pogba. He's in, he's in form. They have lots of other players, you know, a lot of discussion about the play of uh, Kylian Mbappe, their star forward, who's, you know, he's talked about how, even though he knows that there's kind of still that top tier and he knows he's not messy, he says, I strive to be messy. I want to be at that level. And he's been able to maybe use that pressure a little bit to, to perform. France, much like the, the Italy-Austria game, I think. Just just too much quality uh, for, for Switzerland to deal with. Uh, I mean, you never know if Switzerland just parks the bus and they get themselves the penalty kicks and maybe they've got a shot. But if France can score one early, I think they could run away with it. And the winner of that will face the winner of Croatia and Spain. They play in Copenhagen on Monday as well. Croatia, the 2018 World Cup finalists. Spain, their glory years have passed. Uh, who do you like here? That's exactly it. Is is it? Spain is such a tough team to read. I I don't even think I was sure when we did our preview of the competition if they might even get out of their group. It, it, just because of the way they kind of stumble into this, a lot of people I think. You know, if you're on the fence, you look at what Croatia did at the last World Cup and you want to see them have a chance to maybe win it all in another competition, especially as this will probably be the last opportunity for Luka Modric to to win at a high level. So I'd like to see Croatia get it. That one's a little tight to call. So I'll just go uh, with the, the heart pick in that one and maybe see if Croatia can pull it off on Monday. 
And so the winners there will meet in St. Petersburg July 2nd. To the uh, third match, the third groupings, this one, I mean, there's always going to be a matchup of teams that neither of which are expected to go anywhere. And that's what we get with Sweden and Ukraine. 18th in the world versus 24th in the world. They meet in Glasgow on Tuesday. I mean, you could pick this one, but either one is going to be heavy underdogs in their next next game. Yeah, you could probably look at five teams on that side of the bracket and say, wow, they've got a chance to, yeah, to top continue heavy. on in this European uh, competition. The other side, much you know, a lot more tougher matchups in this one. There's a chance for a team to still go on their Cinderella run. Sweden has showed that they can they can shut down quality teams, and that's what they've been able to, to do so far in, in this competition. Ukraine still has some players that aren't known maybe globally, but can can make uh, make some opportunities. Their midfield is very strong, so they might be able to win that battle. I, I kind of like Ukraine a little more in that. Uh, I'm a fan of offense, so they play a little bit more attacking-minded than Sweden, but uh, the, the Swedish team has been able to just frustrate opposition this entire competition. So, uh, But I think, I think Ukraine's got enough to see it through. And the reason I say the winner will be an underdog is because the other game in this little grouping is England versus Germany. That is Tuesday morning, 11 a.m. in London. A lot of these are just in kind of a neutral site. This one is not. This is in Wembley. Uh, England, there's a lot of pressure on them. They're the fourth-ranked team in the world. Germany's now down to 12. England hasn't allowed a goal yet. They've only scored two in the competition. Germany's games have been a lot more busy with goals given up and scored. What do you see here? Yeah, it, England has been playing not to lose for the most of this competition. And when you look on paper and say that they probably have the second best team uh, behind France, you think, like, what is Gareth Southgate, Southgate trying to do here? You have so much attacking options. We've seen you know, Grealish not being brought in in matches where a lot of fans thought that, that he could make a difference after a strong season he had in the English Premier League and, and just... A lot of those kind of options. Harry Kane, their star striker, their captain, hasn't looked his best so far. But when you look at the way that the bracket breaks down in this round of 16, and this really shapes up as a competition that England should find themselves in the final. But to get there, it's a Germany team that just eat their way through the group stage on a draw against Hungary, the basement dwellers of, of that group of death. So it shapes up as England's match to lose, but Germany's got a lot of good players. And if they can just prevent England from, from scoring... The, the stats say that Germany's probably the one that might be able to find that goal in a tough match. Well, the thing is, this is going to be the hardest match before the final, probably. Does it help or hurt them that this one and then the semifinals and finals are all going to be in Wembley? Home field advantage, or is that just so much pressure to perform? <laughs> that's the that's the golden ticket, I guess, for England this whole time, is just the, the what the opportunity to be at Wembley is coupled with the pressure and what that means to have that that opportunity to do it. Uh, I still think that they're deep enough. I think they've got enough quality this time. They underwhelmed against Croatia at the World Cup, and I think they need to prove it this time around that, that they can can get these key wins that they need because they have enough quality. They don't want to waste it when you have players like Kane in their prime. They, they've got to find a way to beat Germany in this game, and I think it's just by turning it up a bit and getting a bit more attacking and, and not playing to prevent goals, instead playing to score goals. All right, the final couplet. We start with Netherlands versus the Czech Republic in Budapest on Sunday morning. Netherlands are 16th in the world. Czech Republic, the lowest-ranked team that's here in the round of 16, 40th in the world. They managed to get this far, though. Uh, I reckon that the Netherlands will be heavily favored here. 
Yeah, and the Netherlands has been kind of a bit of an up-and-down situation. I mean, their best player so far has been Denzel Dumfries, a defender, but he's he's looked amazing so far in this competition, and you'd assume that maybe there's going to be some eyeballs on, on him uh, finding a move elsewhere if that isn't already being facilitated just on the play that he's had from the back and able to score some goals. Uh, they've had a few players that you know used to be kind of on that radar internationally, like Memphis Depay, uh, a, a key attacker so far for the Netherlands, players that maybe didn't live up to their potential in the early years uh, finding it in form so far at, at this European competition. I don't think the Czech Republic has much of a chance. I never thought we'd see them back in, in a land without Petr Cech in goal after he retired. So they they found themselves here. They have a chance, but I think the, the Netherlands is too strong. There always seems to be an upset somewhere, so you never know. But uh, we, we go to the final one, which is Wales versus Denmark. Uh, the Welsh are 17th ranked. The D- Danes are 10th. They obviously have the, the Christian Eriksen storyline where uh, one of their best players suffers a cardiac arrest on the pitch in their opening game. They they lose to Finland in a game that they normally wouldn't have lost, but they still managed to get to the knockout stage here. This is in Amsterdam Saturday morning. This is actually the first game of the knockout stage uh, Saturday morning at 11 a.m. What do you think is going to happen here? Yeah, it's been amazing to see the the Danes turn it around after you know losing their captain and such a star player like Ericsson. And it's been amazing to see that it looks like he's doing great and is on that road to recovery after in just you know harrowing situation there on the pitch earlier on in, in this competition. So I remember looking ahead to this tournament. I mentioned I liked Wales as one of those kind of dark horses, that underdog that could have that Cinderella run. And so far, the two players I said that needed to to get them there, Aaron Ramsey and Gareth Bale, have been doing doing exactly that. Ramsey is just so deadly on the attack. He's a great passer. He can also finish. We've seen him do that so far in this competition. And I know Bale did miss a penalty, but his ability to set up a goal uh, in garbage time to just show that, you know, you can't take your foot off the pedal against Wales, even though they're going to defend heavy, they're going to prevent getting scored on. They have those star players like Bale and and Ramsey uh, that can lead those counterattacks and and they can threaten. So I, I like Wales getting through here. And if they can, like, where does it stop? Does it stop against England? Is it Does it take that long to get the Welsh team knocked out of this competition if they can find a way to get by Denmark? I, I like it. I, I'm cheering for a Cinderella run from the Welsh. All right, so before I let you go, who is in your final right now? If you're looking at just the rankings, it would suggest Belgium versus England. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I predicted pre-tournament France-England. I think I can still see that being the the possible scenario when it gets down to it. But the way Italy's played, I'm starting to be swayed. I think that if we reevaluate this by the time maybe Italy and France find themselves playing against each other in that semifinal, maybe my pick has changed. But I'm going to stick to to what I said pre-tournament. I still think an England-France final would be uh, something to remember at Wembley uh, to to cap off a 2021 where uh, hopefully we'll start to see some opportunities to, to get more fans in the stands before the World Cup. Absolutely. Ryan, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this and uh, have fun in the CPL bubble coming up. Yeah, let's play some footy in Canada. Thanks again. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places, I'd imagine. So farewell. Until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try.
Which might explain the 